Welcome back. We are now on episode 30 of the Big 3-0. We haven't recorded in a really long time. Does anybody remember what happened last time? I want to give us a recap. I do, and here's why. Because I uh, was like five episodes behind on listening to our podcast. <laughs> and I marathoned it today. You and crushed I, it. You binged. And because it, I got stuck in traffic on the way home and was late to this recording, I just finished the last episode. How was it? It was pretty good. It was pretty good. Best podcast on earth. All right. Um, give us the recap, I guess. <laughs> so we uh, climb. We waited in vain for the maintenance man to come fix Chaco Mountain. Um and Ursula got mad at us. She started climbing, almost got me and her killed. Whatever, I turned into a spider. That didn't work because I got killed by chocolate, etc., etc. We got to the top of the mountain. We log rode down. We fought some Easter candies, giant malevolent Easter candies, <laughs> and then we fell into a pool. And we were gonna get killed by spikes that were coming down from the ceiling until Brian and um an octopus pulled a plug on the pool and it drained out and we lived the end very good we're going to perkins <laughs> <laughs> all right very good that's excellent so yes you you finally recovered the fourth golden coin slash plate slash medallion uh to be placed into um what's his name it really has been a long time rusty's mansion's gate so what do you want to do? It's up to you. Uh, guess I guess I guess I, it's about time to call it a day and head home. I'm pretty tired. What do you guys think? Yep. Go back to the Arcane Tower. Let's take, GT, take a rest. Let's GTFO. <laughs> I'm JK. No, we should go. <laughs> <I'm JK. laughs> we should go to the mansion and save the world. Here, sounds like a plan. All right, so you guys, uh, you head out of Chaco Mountain. You head back towards the center of the park where there's that statue. Head north and reach Rusty's Mansion Gate. Um, what? I believe Tug grabbed the medallion, or you might you might have passed it to someone. Um, One of you has it. One of us has it. Probably that true. I, that I don't remember. Retcon Tug has it. <laughs> Tug's got it. All right. <laughs> Tugs on it, uh, on it. So let's go put the cylindrical discs in the sigil of justice or whatever it is. That's also that's also what Tug called it in the last episode. It did. Uh, it's using the same material. <laughs> <laughs> what's wrong with? I don't understand what's wrong with that. In my, in right, my so defense, I'm just saying by way of recap. All right, you place this um, medallion right into the sigil of justice, the bronze plaque with the other three already in there, and it glows for a second, and then at once the gate opens with a creak, and Rusty's mansion is very well available to you. And Ursula kind of looks at you guys, and she's trembling. She's a little scared. Still think your dad's alive? (laughs) Oh, I I hope so. I, I hope he's in here. But probably not, though, right? Well, <laughs> at least I got my mop friend. <laughs> my mop believe. Um, yeah, so we're going in, right? Yeah. Can we do that? Yeah. Why yeah, are you talking in. like that? It's so strange. <laughs> well done. Well done. <clears throat> let's go in then. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Carl just doesn't say anything. He just starts walking in, head okay. down, tongue <laughs> okay, low. He's ashamed you. right now. All right, Carl, you step forward first. Uh, you climb up the small little patio up to the front, um, front like landing, and there's a big oak door there. And you open the door to a grand foyer that breaks off in multiple directions. A black and white checkered floor leads leads forward to a set of curved staircases to the second level. Above you, directly above you, there's this massive unlit chandelier that hangs from the tall ceiling, its golden arms tainted with dust and cobwebs. All around you, the house has been touched by age. Dust, cracked tile, ripped wallpaper. It's a scene from a place that looks like it hasn't been touched or taken care of for years. You see a large set of oak doors to the left and to the right that are currently closed. And all of a sudden you hear the faintest chimes of a music of some sort of music that echoes from upstairs. And Ursula steps forward as you walk in here and she looks around fearfully and she says, this doesn't look right. I I remember this place. This was, this is our house, but it looks so, so old. It used to be beautiful, like a castle. Daddy would bring guests here for food and celebration when when the park would hit some kind of milestone or or an anniversary. Maybe Ursula's from the past. Yeah. What um, uh, <clears throat> what year, <clears throat> what what year are you from? What year am I from? One second. Ah, oh, so, okay. So the Eastern Sea, the uh, Peninsula of Euphoros, Euphoros says established in fourteen fifty eight. So, I mean, that's not like modern day times, like 1458. That wasn't right before Columbus sailed the ocean or whatever. So are we like 1460, 1461? So we'll just say it's a couple hundred years later than that. So it's probably about 1658. And um, she responds and she says, um, she says, let me do some quick math here. Quick maths. Two plus two is four. Quick maths. She says, well, I was, I was born in the year 1590. Oh, your dad's dead. <laughs> Wait, in what year are you are we from? Sixteen fifty eight? Sixteen fifty eight. What? What? What are you making those noises for? <laughs> oh, oh. This is awkward. What? You're like uh sixty-eight years old. No, I'm not. I'm thirteen. Okay, so whatever age your dad is, add 68, and then think if he's alive or not. (laughs) That would make him 118. No, that's not right. Um, yes. It's the year 1658, my friend. That's that's impossible. That's impossible. I I need to find my father. He, he can straighten this out. I swear. So while they are having this conversation, <laughs> there's like uh, magic uh, in this world. Though. By the way, I mean, there's just all kinds yeah. of crazy shit happens. <laughs> sure. I'm going to uh, go and start peeking in the door to the left. I wanna... To the left. Yeah. All right, Carl. You creak forward on this tile floor, um, and you open up the door. It's unlocked. You open this door, and you see this large kitchen area. There's this huge uh, marble topped. Uh, a kitchen island and there's pots and pans and and knives hanging from the top cupboards are open more dust more cobwebs there's uh moldy bread on the island again this is just like a like a picture out of a out of some kind of haunted house that hasn't been touched 
that hasn't been touched in a long time. I'm going to um, I'm going to zero for like a frying pan or something. I see. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I want to grab a frying pan, and take it with me. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. You pick up a frying pan. You see one over by the this dark like iron stove. I need a new shield. <laughs> Fair. Um. So, all right. That was. That was Carl by himself, right? And we're just kind of milling around in the center area. No, we're, we're yeah. telling this young lady that her dad is hella dead. Either of age or from the psychotic clown circus guy. He could have time traveled, too. I mean, are there we're getting any into other... a real low probability. But Are it, there know, any like other exits out of the kitchen? Or is there out only the, the one door? Uh, just the one door. All right. Are there any food in there? Any so, like non-perishable items? Yeah. 68 years old. Maybe main you, find some, right. you, you find a couple cans. Oh, give me a perception check or an investigation check. Either one. Who ate? Who's doing this? Yeah, like I'm telling you, ask for it, right? Yeah, totally. yeah, but I'm still telling this girl. Uh, her oh, dad you're said. just talking out of character. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Is there a door on the right too? Yes. Yeah, there's a big oak door on the right. Durf checks out the big oak door on the right. Wait, All right, can Durf. we find out if we get any canned goods? One time. Well, I mean, can, can, do we have to? We're we're three different people. <laughs> right, but we're in the middle of Brian rolling a perception check. You're like, okay, so are right. you, Tug, rolled, are you calling into the room to get Brian to look for canned goods? Yes. Look for canned goods. All right, so, give me an investigation lady, check. <laughs> your dad. Ten. Uh, you find you find two cans of prunes that look like they've lasted. And a couple spam cans. A couple cans of spam. Nice. That's a nice mundane object. Prunes and spam. Prunes and um, spam. Durf you, walk, Durf, you walk through the right uh, set of oak doors, and you walk into this, this, it looks like a study. Basically, there's like a recliner in the center. There's a fireplace off to the right up against the wall. There are books uh, and big shelves fold with books, like a library, a little end table next to the recliner. It looks like a study, and there are some picture frames on the mantle. Like sitting on the mantle, or above, hanging above it. Above, above the mantle. Like, oh, I'm sorry, hang, like sitting on top of the mantle. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, it, with pictures in them. Mm-hmm. What are the pictures of? So you see a picture of you see several pictures, and they're kind of arranged in a row from left to right. And on the far left, there's a picture of a man with a top hat and a mustache and he stands next to a woman who looks to be pregnant she's got a large belly and then the next picture you see um the man with the same woman and the woman's holding a little baby little baby and behind them is a ribbon that is spanning the front entrance of a pristine looking cotton candy village and then there's a couple more frames, except in these frames, you only see the man and the little baby, except the little baby's grown up to be a young girl, and you recognize the girl immediately as Ursula. Okay. Um, can I look around the room for other shit? Can I sure. perception? What are you looking for? Or just like anything? Yeah, anything interesting. Okay. That is a, a 25. 25 damn okay um yeah so you look you look around you see that there is a long ornate decorative looking pipe sitting on the end table next to the recliner 
and you look through several of the books um, and you find you find a dusty old leather bound book that one second it says um, it says the truth and you on the front I crack it open all right, you crack. Give me a, uh, let's see, what would be, just give me a straight intelligence check. Okay. Hmm, that's not going to be very good. What is my intelligence? Four. Okay, yeah, you look You look through the book, you read the pages, um, but it, they're, they're, the language is of a different time, and you can't really make out what the book is saying. You, you get snippets of it, um... It's saying something about a spell, a spell called Zone of Truth, but that's about it. That's all you get. Okay, well, I take the book back into the other room and show it to the guys and Ursula. And particularly Ursula, I assume she can read. She's from a long time ago. Maybe she knows what's up with this book. Um, what do you guys think about this book that I found in there? There's also pictures of your family, Ursula. R.I.P. to two-thirds of them. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wow! Yes, um, she um she she looks up at you. And she says, "My family, my family," and she runs past you into the study. Um, uh, you both can make intelligence rolls if you want to take a look at this book. Yeah, Doug won't even bother. <laughs> Doug can't read. <laughs> Sixteen. All right, uh, Carl, you read through it, and you clearly understand that this book, it's a spell book, almost. Um, it talks all, all, all about truth, and you realize if you, if you read it cover to cover, you would be able to cast the spell Zone of Truth. How, how long is the book? How, how thick is the book? It's how, several hundred pages. So it'd take me a while to read it. Yeah. All right. You can, you can stash it for later. Yeah, that's what I'll, I'll take the book from Durf uh, without telling him what any further information say out and just don't worry Durf. I'll, I'll make better use of this and uh, then I'll just stow away the book uh, I'm going to walk over and uh, Ursula's in the study right? yeah mm-hmm. uh, is there any way to like lock the door or bar the door so she cannot leave the room? she's safer in there right? Uh, can we can we progress without her? no I think I, we should bring her with us she knows shit. She's from the past, like this whole place. All right. She might be able to read that book. I don't know if you I can mean, read I can it. Read, you're I being, can read the book. You're being shifty about it. Uh, I can read the book. Fine. All right. Okay. 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 All right. No, we'll take. We'll take. All right. We'll take her with us. Um, I mean, if she wants to come, she's looking at pictures of her family. Right. She comes back out of the study, and she's just clutching one of the frames in her arms, close to her chest. Which one? Uh. She, it's it's close to the what you recognize the frame and it's the picture of of her and her father but not her mom hmm interesting Darf, Darf makes mental note of that uh so the only other place we've yet to go is the staircase right correct and you still hear this eerie carnival music coming Does it from sound above. like it's coming from upstairs definitely sounds um, like it's coming from upstairs is this so like a resident evil mansion or are we gonna have to find the crow key <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
All right, so uh, I'm going to start making my way over to the stairs, uh, avoiding walking underneath the chandelier. Okay. Yeah. You take the long way around. I'll take, the, I'll take the long way. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll follow. Okay. Can I perceive the main? Did anybody look around the main room to see if anything interesting was in there? No. Nah, no. Tug has not done really anything productive okay. yet. That's Besides. a nine, so I assume nothing. A nine, yeah, you can't really see much. Um, I'll give you something, I guess. You So, as you guys are climbing the stairs up to this hallway, uh, Durf, you look down, you instinctively look down, and you see that uh, there's some kind of discoloration of the tiles. Not just age and dust and dirt, it appears to be covered in certain places, in some places with puddles of like dried brown blood. On the walls? On the tiles at the feet. At at your feet. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And you, you, you hit the top of the stairs. You hit the top of the stairs and walk past a short landing until you reach a long hallway. Dozens of doors are on either side of the hall, but the music seems to be coming from the far end where pale light can be seen through a crack underneath. What do you guys think? I think we should just... Uh, check all the doors just in case as we make our way to the end. Mm-hmm. Um. Also, can somebody tell me what's in that fucking book? No. Uh, what's in What's in the book? Carl's being cagey about it. The book is for casting a spell called the Zone of Truth. Well, uh, send that shit over. I can do that. You wouldn't understand it. Klaatu Varata. <laughs> <laughs> What is that from? The Evil what? Dead. Evil Dead, really? Oh. <laughs> okay. Which I just finished season two of the other day. Nice. It's good, right? Did you hear it got canceled? Okay. R.I.P. After <laughs> season three. That's fine, whatever. First two seasons were good. Uh, so I guess I'll just... If the doorway's on the left or the right, whatever the first door we come to, uh, I'm going to start peeking in, making sure there's nothing like hiding... Okay, in yeah, sure. You, you you walk down. Uh, Ursula's right behind you. You walk down. You start peeking in the doors. You see just, like, guest rooms. Um, there's a there's a small little study. There's a room with a piano in it. Um, there's a couple other more decorated bend- bedrooms. Um, close to the end of the hallway, you open up a door. And you open it up, and it looks like a little girl's room. And Ursula sees you do this. And... As you open the door, she looks inside and she says, Oh my gosh, this is this was my room! My room! And she runs in and she seems to be rummaging under the bed for something. And she hops back up and she says, My, my music box! My music box is gone! Someone took my music box! Is the music that your music box played the music that we're hearing right now? What? I don't, I don't hear anything. What music? Aren't we hearing music? Am I making that? <laughs> no. We are. You you are. We are. Okay. Are you gaslighting me right now, Ursula? <laughs> no, 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 no. I swear I don't I don't hear anything. I don't hear anything. Okay. Are you Ursula? Has it has anybody like touched Ursula? To make sure she is a corporeal well, I mean, she can being. hold a mop. 
I, t- I I pat her on the head to make sure she's not a ghost. Yeah. How ethereal is uh, is this young lady? <laughs> you you uh, you reach out and you tap her head and you hit you hit head. You hit you skull. Hit, you hit skull. All right, guys. She's one of those ghosts that you can touch. <laughs> Wait, you really can't hear that music? <laughs> no, I don't know what you're talking about. You're throwing me for a fucking loop right now. <laughs> <clears throat> um yeah so about that music box can we like open it Let, let's let's fire this sob up well no she, she doesn't have it, it. She doesn't, it's gone she can't find it it's down the hall <laughs> making, making music well she can't hey, hear it. only what's we can. The, what's your music box sound like could you give me a little you know yeah yeah, yeah. It it's, like? A, it's it's like it's like la 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 wow that's like la, the la, 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 la. Oh, hold on Ursula I think hold on <laughs> Ursula, if you just quiet down, I think we can hear it. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So is that the same sound that the music box is making? I'm asking Uh, Joe, the DM. (laughs) Yes, it will be once Jacob Pretty puts it in the episode. (laughs) Unbeknownst to us, it's not a tune. It's actually just a recording of her going, (laughs) 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 Uh, Or it's just another two crunk album, which holla. All right, guys. Well, I... Ursula is definitely some kind of time traveling ghost whose ears don't work. So we should probably go check out the music box down the hall, which is obviously where it is. Um, she can't hear it because she's weird. No offense. Anti shout out. N- none taken, I guess. <laughs> Let's go. And she runs past you through the doorway. That's probably safe. Let's give her a head start, uh, trigger any traps or whatever, and then we can right. sweep in and do what we need <laughs> okay. to do. All right, you you continue walking down the hall towards this uh, this door where this light is seeping through. And as you walk closer, the music that you hear grows louder and louder. And you just watch Ursula as she runs runs past you. The music grows louder and louder and instruments are being added to the song with each step you take. And then you start to hear voices. You hear voices going along with the music laughing and clapping and your hand touches the doorknob of this door and you hear a scream as a blinding flash hits you and the door swings open and suddenly all is silent the room beyond the door is huge wooden planks stretch across the smooth floor below a half dozen golden chandeliers hanging from the ceiling A stage is built against the far wall, dark red curtains hanging from hooks above, covering whatever may be behind it. Stacks upon stacks of gold coins are piled along the walls on either side, but the rest of the room is completely empty except for a dark figure that crouches over some sort of mass in the center of the floor, their back turned to you and Ursula. Spooky. Hmm. Um. Should we throw stuff at it? <laughs> Let's. Like what? Hey, Ursula. Durf Ursula. Says, Durf says, Ursula. Hey. No. Durf Ursula. Says, who are those people? <laughs> Ursula. Who are those people? Okay. Uh, you whisper this down to Ursula as Durf says, "Hey," and Ursula's eyes go wide as she drops the frame that shatters to the floor. Daddy. 
Ursula runs forward and the figure oh, immediately do turns Mm-mm-mm. to stand. He don't wears a long tuxedo and a top Uh-oh. hat, a monocle fixed to his left eye. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Don't do that. Red-faced and full of tears, he opens his arms to the girl, revealing a pool of dark blood soaked into his shirt. Ursula, Ursula, my dear, I thought I lost you. You did. He, this isn't real. <laughs> he crouches down and brushes some of her hair away from her for, her face before bringing her in for another embrace. He then looks at the three of you rising to stand with a protective grip on Ursula's shoulder. Who are you? Okay. Um, I have a question before we yeah. answer that question. Okay. Um, T- team, huddle up. Huddle up. <laughs> I, I as a druid, am in tune with life, as is, uh, as is Carl to an extent, as a paladin. Is he a living thing, or is he Do some you... sort of undead? Um, give me an insight check. I roll a five on my insight check. On your insight check, you can't tell <laughs> if he is ghost or corporeal, corporeal, corporal, corporeal, corporeal being. You have no idea. Brian, you want to roll the same things to your paladin? Yeah. Four? Nope. You have wait, no idea. Wait, either. wait, wait, wait. I thought Brian had like some thing that let him. I've got an, like a spell. Divine yeah. sense? Or uh, what yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, maybe yeah. that's what I'm thinking but of. Like, you don't have to use a spell slot if you don't want to, but. Well, it doesn't. It does, uh, we're just going to say Carl doesn't think to use divine sense. Okay. If it's with his character. All right, so as you guys are kind of, like, huddling up and eyeing this guy, I, I think I see, like, Durf's head pop up and look at the guy, and you, like, squint your eyeballs, and then it pops back down. And then Carl's head pops up, looks at the guy, squints Ooh. his eyeballs, then Ooh. pops back down. When Carl's head pops up, he, he he says, heads up, and he throws a can of prunes to the guy. It, to him? Yeah, I'm going to underhand toss him a can of prunes. All right, so you you th- you underhand toss the can towards him, and it goes straight through his torso. Great. Uh-oh. Rolling across the floor on the other side. And Ursula doesn't see this because she's just holding her dad tight. And she pulls away urgently and says, Daddy, Daddy, we, we have to leave. We have to leave this awful place. And she turns to pull her arm, but he remains in place. A defeated look on his face. And he says, Darling, Ursula, we, we can't. We can't leave. And he reaches into his suit pocket and removes an ornate jeweled box with purple sapphires at each corner. Ursula snatches it from him and opens it slowly and says, My music box! Daddy! Daddy, you kept it! As she opens it, you hear the familiar chimes of that same song as a tiny ballerina spins around a wintry scene. La filled- la la <laughs> la 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 <laughs> killing the immersion here. Just killing it. You can edit edit it out in post. No, it sounds great. No, I'm keeping it. I'm keeping it. As she opens it, you hear... Jacob Pretty, stop the music. Okay, resume. As she opens it, you hear the familiar chimes of that same song as a tiny ballerina spins around a wintry scene filled with colorful candied landscape. Ursula's smile fades to a frown as the notes play. Her eyes growing wide in fear as if a horrible nightmare is suddenly coming back into her memory. The room around you begins to spin. The walls blur and the music grows. The figures before you begin to be lost in a bright light that fills the space and suddenly you stand in the center of a grand ballroom. 
A band dressed in colorful robes plays a waltz from the stage, hundreds of people gliding along the dance floor all around you. A banner runs the length of the ceiling above, between two large golden chandeliers, and it reads, Cotton Candy Village, 25 years of family fun. A short balding waiter comes by with a tray of champagne and holds it out to you. A beverage, says. Uh, okay. Um, Tug. Tug drinks Durf, it, obviously. Durf takes it. Yeah, fuck it. <laughs> okay. Yellow strats. Ghost and champagne. You, Carl, are you... Are you... Car- Carl does not partake. Okay. He remembers He remembers what happened Loser. last time. <laughs> All right. As you sip, you see them. Jason in his pristine top hat and tuxedo, bowing before a young girl in a beautiful yellow dress. She curtsies and he takes her hand, leading her in the steps to the music. Twirling and bobbing, they glide along the dance floor as people begin to stop and watch, mesmerized by the warm joy of a father and daughter. The music crescendos before coming to an end, and they bow to a crowd that bursts with applause that goes on for several moments. As it dies down, a single slow clap continues to echo across the ballroom floor. The people turn to look at the doorway, where a dark silhouette laughs a maniacal laugh. His long floppy ears and bushy tail are masked in shadow, and in his his hand is a serrated knife already dripping with blood. The laughter that comes out of his mouth fades as the vision begins to disappear and blur in wisps around you once again, and you find yourself back in the decrepit ballroom, Jason and Ursula huddled over the pile in the middle of it, on the middle of the floor. Ursula looks up at her father before they slowly vanish from view. Daddy? It's okay, dear. You don't have to be frightened anymore. As the figures fade away, you get a clearer view of what lies on the floor behind them. A human skeleton dressed in faded and rotten black fabric clutches a smaller body in his arms dressed in yellow. Also a skeleton? Also a skeleton. Okay. And at this moment, Durf, your hand begins to sear with pain. And you hear a slow clapping noise coming from the curtains of the stage. The curtains are pulled back, revealing an entire network of gadgets and gizmos, buttons, levers, and consoles, all images of different parts of the park on their screens. Hunched over a chair on all fours in the center of it all is a disfigured old man. His flesh is covered in scar tissue and sections of matted fur that look as if they have been sewn into his skin. A pair of floppy gray ears hang dirtied from atop atop his skull, stitched into his scalp. He stares and claps at you with bulging bloodshot eyes, two bulbous teeth sticking out of an otherwise empty, gummy, slobbering mouth. And we're out of flashback now? Yeah, you're back in present day. Ursula and Jason are gone. R.I.P. They were all dead. The twist is they were all dead. <laughs> Everyone has been dead forever always. Um, okay. So, uh, cool. Um, Alright, so... Hey! Yep. Durf says, hey! 
He leaps from hey his there. chair. He leaps from his chair and begins to jerk and dance his way back and forth across the stage as he says, Congratulations! You made it! You're finally here! Here to take away the prize that I hold so dear! Funny thing about a coin is it has two sides! Much like life has death, it's a roller coaster ride! Every good has a bad, every smile has a frown. Every yes has a no, every up has a down. But when you have control over your own fate, you'll find that those that stand against you are too late. So though this has been fun, and I hate to say goodbye, no one takes Rusty's village. It's time you die. Oh no. He flips the coin into the air where it is suspended for just a few moments in super cool slow motion. <laughs> before coming back down, <laughs> landing in his mouth. With a gulp, he swallows it and immediately starts convulsing and laughing. He leaps from the stage, white fur popping out from his flesh, muscles bulging. His fingernails sharpen into points and his teeth grow three times the size into thick razors. He roars as his body pulsates and expands, his eyes glowing red. As he regains his composure, his massive, rabbit, his massive rabbit frame stands several feet taller than Carl, his chest expanding and contracting with long, hot breaths. Features begin to form in his grotesque frame, braided multicolored pigtails, bushy mustache, a suit of shredded beige and white and red, a mass of costume parts you recognize from each kingdom of the village. And he reaches his arms out wide and with another roar, two more burst from his bloodied side. In each of his four hands, he holds a different weapon. A blade of ice, a long purple whip dripping with goo, a red and white striped hammer, and a pickaxe of pure dark chocolate. <sighs> Tug gets it. Tug gets it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's pointing at all the weapons like I fucking get it yeah it's, it's every part of the park I, yeah we get it that's hilarious Dur Durf says hey so was it you were you talking the whole time or were those like recordings were you talking through the little rabbits out there or were those recordings uh, just, strong question strong he question, stares dude. at you he stares at you with this like these buck teeth and this awful face and he's just like <gasps> He's just breathing deep. That's not very useful at all. It's not a very useful answer. Um, does he have any glowing spots on him that we can shoot arrows at? <laughs> like a Zelda game? Yeah. Nope. <laughs> okay, cool. Are we in initiative? Well, yeah. So, yeah, if you don't have anything else witty to say... <laughs> <laughs> He laughs with a horrible laugh as he swings his arms wildly and then charges. Roll initiative. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to episode 30. 
big apologies that uh, it's taken us so long to get this out. April's been super busy for us, but we're just glad to be back recording, back in the adventure, and sharing this with you. So once again, sorry for that, but uh, glad we're back. A few things I want to get through for this mid-roll. First things first, we are signed up with Wizards of the Coast to do a new kind of adventure for their upcoming book, Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes, just like we did the podcast of Annihilation. This is called the Podcast of Foes. So we have a one-shot with some of the stuff from that book coming out to you on May 15th via the Dungeon Delve feed, and then we're going to post that the following Monday, or really as soon as we're allowed to, we'll post that on our normal feed. So be on the lookout for that. Um, our part two of the Star Wars one shot should be out in a week or so. I've just got to finish editing that and putting that together. So that's a little bit more content for you. And then, of course, episode 31, um, just because we've got some other stuff going on, might be uh, it might be three weeks from now instead of two weeks from now. But we'll have content in the meantime so you can listen to stuff while you're waiting. Next, our fan art contest is still going on. That ends May 18th when the official Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes book comes out, and we are giving away a copy of the book signed by all the cast members of You Meet in a Tavern. So if you've got some fan art, if you're an artist, you want to draw something from the show, either present or past, this current arc or way back episode one, doesn't matter. We would love to see your art. We love seeing the stuff that people have come up with already, and we're going to pick our favorite uh, by May 18th and ship the book outside to the winner. So please, if you want to do that, you can go on to, you can pretty much send it to us any way you want. Uh, email, Twitter, Facebook, our Discord. The Facebook hashtag for that is hashtag YMIAT fan art. So head on there so you can see some of the entries and then just remember to use that hashtag when you submit your entry. It's time now for me to thank our $15 or more patrons. These are people that donate a monthly amount to the show that helps us grow, helps us get art, music, um, hosting, all sorts of stuff that keeps the show going. So we really want to thank David Ashley Cole, Andre K, Sir Falkor the Fearless, Jello Crew, Kurt Nolan, Ursula Bertea, James Jesia Klontz, Nick Sassy, Mark Albright, Tarkin Davis, Eleanor Fitchett, Sierra Clark, Jim Saunders, Jason Ford, Sean Myers, Sarah Blue, Mark Deacon, Nathan Ballou, and John Dalstrom. All these people donated $15 or more to the show. They're our top-tier patrons, so thank you guys so much. You do so much to help the show. And if you want to get in on this, if you want to become a patron, go on to patreon.com slash tavern. You really only have to donate $1 a month to get a bunch of perks. You get all the music, full tracks of the music from Jacob Pretty for the show. You get special Discord uh, Patreon perks, all sorts of stuff. So please think about going on there, patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern. Uh, before I forget, and I actually haven't mentioned this to the guys yet, but I want to do another Q&A around the hearth session where we get live on Twitch and answer fan questions. Uh, don't know when we're going to do that. Probably not for a few more weeks, but be on the lookout for that. And if you've got questions for the show, send it to us on Twitter, Facebook, all those other places I mentioned before, Discord. If you've got some questions for the guys or for me, uh, anything about the show or non-show related, D&D related, shoot them our way and I will start putting up a list and uh, making sure that we get as many questions answered as possible. And we'll also take some questions via Twitch when we go live. So... Uh, okay, there's a long mid-roll for me, but a lot of good information. Enjoy the rest of episode 30, the finale of this Cotton Candy Village arc, and we will see you with some extra content pretty soon. All right, peace out, guys and girls. Bye.
so is he since he's part animal is part rabbit is he like a creature like i'm just trying to understand like what because like he does so essentially he is a human right that uh was a jester at the park was was an entertainer at the park transform into this greedy person who killed everyone ursula her dad and he has gone mad and has transformed himself into this rabbit. So he is a humanoid that has just gone absolutely insane and thinks he is this okay. Rusty the rabbit, the the uh the person who is in charge of the park. All right. I was just trying to clarify so I know what, how exactly what my spells do. Yep. If anything. You got it. All right, what'd you guys get? 14. <laughs> 14 Durf. 8 for Carl. 8 Carl. Uh, 18 for Tug. Tug hey. is up first. Shut up. Episode 60. We did it. <laughs> Rap air horn. <laughs> Started from the bottom. Now we made it. Uh, am I, wait, am I like for real first? How does this go? You're first. Rusty's <laughs> charging. You're first. Actually, the three of you are up before he goes. He rolled a two on his initiative. <laughs> Excellent. So, Tug, you're up first. You see him charging at you. He's about thirty feet away. All right. Well, are, are we're all we're all key pointed up, back up, right? Or is that, um, I that, is believe, that not necessarily no, true? Because no, I have you guys four did marked not rest down. after Chaco Mountain. Fuck. No problem. Did not do me that. A lot worse as a character in this game. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I will. Uh, let's see. I will spend a key point to slosh. Okay. Which that leaves me with two for the rest of this entire encounter. All right. I'm sloshing. We'll say that. And then um, I'm going to go up and just um, do my normal uh, normal four attacks, I guess. Sweet. Or excuse me. Yeah, four attacks. Okay. 24, 22, 25. Okay, all four will hit. Then let's do some things. All right, I need these. Oh, double sixes on the first two uh, D6. So that is 12. That's 20 for the first two. Okay. And then uh, six plus eight. That's 14. So 34 damage. Damn. All right. How does it look like? Uh, Tug drinks out of like an invisible, uh, like an invisible, uh, beer mug and fake smash. Well, he, like, he actually makes the motion of smashing on the ground and somewhere you just hear like a tsh. And, uh, <laughs> he immediately starts kind of stumbling around and then he wipes some drool from his mouth and then he charges towards, uh, Rusty himself and unleashes, uh, his. Uh, his first barrage on the left side of Rusty. So he's kind of like charging at him and then kind of sliding to the left and, and landing in with some uh, some quick strikes. All right, nice. nice. We'll say so three, hitting... three punches in a headbutt. Three punches in a headbutt, sweet. Okay, so hitting his left side, Rusty kind of like stumbles on his... He falls onto his right knee with this massive amount of strikes. He did some hella good damage to him. Durf, you're up. All right, I'm going to use... Let me make sure I have a spell slot for this. I do. I'm going to use Conjure Animals um, to conjure a giant constrictor snake. Nice, okay. That's an uh, action to do that? Yeah. 
correct? Okay. It's a spell. Right, but it, it... Yeah, so that's your whole action. You're just conjuring it. Correct. And okay, roll uh, initiative for his it. His initiative will be actually uh, 18. 18. Okay, so he's going to go back up to the top of the order after everything's said and done. Oh, he's going to go after Tug. So he's, he, he doesn't go this round? No, no, he's going to go next round. All right. <clears throat> All right, so where do you uh, summon it? I plop him right in front. He The the Rusty's charging at us, right? Yeah, but Tug just stopped him, basically, with these strikes. I'm going to plop him right. If Tug is, like, to my right, kind of, of the guy, mm-hmm. or to my left, basically, whatever, wherever he could, like, juke to come towards me and Carl, I'm going to plop the snake okay. there. All right, so he is kind of stuck between Tug and, and this giant snake now. Carl, you're up. Uh, seeing Durf kind of summon uh, his constrictor, I am going to take off charging at Rusty uh, with the white thorn out and uh, kind of leap over the constrictor with like a two-handed overhand smash um, and try and just kind of finish what Tug has started. Okay. Uh, oh, man. First attack is a nine. Nope. Puss. Won't nice do miss, it. loser. Second attack. 18. That'll hit. All right. Uh, I'm going to use a Wrathful Smite. Nice. Okay. So uh, it's 3d6 plus one. And then uh, since he is a creature, it must make, he's got to make a wisdom saving throw or be frightened of me until the spell ends. Spell lasts for a minute. Okay, what's your DC uh, for that? Uh, he rolled a 19. He yeah, rolled a 19. Fine. All right. But he does take the 3d6? Yep. All right, sweet. Roll it. Okay, 17. Nice. Okay, yeah. So you slash a pretty good cut uh, through his chest. You start to see this red blood seep out. Um, it's his turn, and he kind of backs away. He's going to disengage from you for a second and lift all four of his arms up as his eyes go red, and he just screams up into the ceiling. And you look on either side of the room. Those big piles of gold coins start to rise up. Some of the coins start to rise up, and they fire in both directions towards the center of the room where you all are, and I need you all to make a deck save. That's including the snake. Hold on, allow me to check my sheet on this deck save, my man. I don't know if this is a damage-based one, but on deck saves, it's always half damage, and on a uh, deck save success, I'll take no damage. Okay, for sweet. For what it's worth on this uh, thing we're about to do here. Sweet. And you... <clears throat> natural you 20, also, baby! Well, you also get my modifier. Nice, natural 20. Okay, so you take no damage? No. Yeah, if it's, if it's a damage-based deck save, then I will yeah, take no is. damage. Durf, what's up? Do, do I get Carl's thing? I didn't move. Uh, no, you do not, because okay. you're not you're not close enough to them to get the extra plus two from Carl's saves. I had a sixteen. Nine. Sixteen, nine, and a twenty. All right, and, and the snake rolls a nineteen. Cool. All right, so Durf and the snake, you guys are going to take nineteen damage. The Carl, snake you're gonna takes take 10. damage with okay. a nineteen. No, I'm sorry, just Durf, you take okay. nineteen. <laughs> As cool. these coins just pelt your body, hitting you in the face, some even like cut through skin. They're traveling so fast. Okay, and Tug is up. Ooh, um, okay. 
You know, I'm just going to do another set of normal attacks until I want to save these key points until we're a little bit more dire if I want to use them to dodge or something. So you get four normally with no key points? Right, because it's uh, originally it was two, plus one is yeah. a bonus, and then through leveling up, I believe it's two. Oh, okay. If right, not, cool. I'll, if not, I'll just roll uh, just two this time. Can you look at that real quick, Brian? Yeah, it might be three because I think you get attack and then extra attack, and then you just have your bonus action. Which it, which okay, which that that might which be it. Be so, the... so will my? I'll just roll two this time then. Okay, okay, that's, that's to, cool. That's to, fine. to balance it out, so. Um, 22, and uh, my first roll was a 4 plus 7, so just the 22 uh, 11. Hits. So 22 and an uh, 11. All right, just the 22 hits. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah, 5 as opposed to... What does that look like? Also a headbutt, but it was kind of in the middle of a drunken, like, burp, hold back, vomit, lean forward. <laughs> okay. Like a... Right. <clears throat> and then I lean forward. And you accidentally and... headbutt him. Correct. All right, Derv, snake's up. Snake's up. Okay, the snake is going to try and use Constrict. Okay. It's plus six on. It's going to be a 22. That will hit. Okay. Uh, So that is... So it says on here, hit 13, and then in parentheses, 2d8 plus four. Do you want me to do 2d8 plus four? I want you to roll it. Yep. Okay. Two and a six. So eight plus four. He takes 12 damage. Okay. And he is grappled. Okay. Um, so the snake will kind of snake around his arms, Jeez. and he's constricting him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, escape DC 16. Okay. And he's restrained until he escapes. And he can do so at the beginning his, of his turn. On his right? turn as an action. As an action. Oh, nice. Well, okay. I don't know. How does grappling work? I think that's right. Yeah. I think if you are grappled. You should take up the whole action trying to get rid of that grapple. Uh, let's see. Durf, you are up. It's your turn now. I am going to wild shape into a brown bear. Cricket. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> or right. whatever you wanted to do. <laughs> you do it. Okay. So I wild shape into a brown bear, and uh, that's my action. I'll run up. Since we're all we're we're all basically just like standing around this guy in a circle, mm-hmm. pummeling yep. him. Yeah. Uh, actually, since he's restrained, I will not stand close enough for him to hit me without moving. I'll just okay. kind of walk up to like two yards away. You okay. know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. So when he's restrained, he can still make attacks if he wants to. It's just they're all done at disadvantage. Okay, but and he can't so you can't move, know. right? He can't move. Yeah, right. So okay. he can hit everyone within five feet of him. And I, yeah, right. Exactly. Yep. So you're gonna, okay. you're not gonna attack. You're just wild shaping and like getting close. Wild shape is an action, so okay. I don't, I don't think I Joel can attack. Wild right? shaped and got closer, but not close enough to be within melee range. So I have, I have a question about divine smite. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so I can use a spell slot, and then it says I can use an additional second level spell slot. So it says extra damage is 2d8 for a first level spell slot, plus 1d8 for each spell level higher than the first. Yep. So I can't use two level two spell slots and roll 4d8s, right? No, no. It's you're just only one and one spell, two, right. three. Okay. Yep. All right. Uh, I guess I'm going to roll and see if I hit first. Uh, so he's standing He's standing directly in front of me. I uh, just came in with a like downward slash. 
Uh, and now I'm going to try and uh, just bring the white thorn back up uh, and try and open him up some more. Okay, sweet. That would be a 14. That will not hit. Oh, lucky me. All right, so you miss. You whiff. Uh, oh, no, you get an advantage because uh, he's restrained. Perfect. Oh, thank you. Oh, good girl. <laughs> Bring the Jaeger. <laughs> His daughter just brought him Jaeger, just for those listening at home. Uh, 19. <laughs> 19 will hit. Very good. <laughs> and I will... I will Are you trying to get on the TV? You want me in there? Uh, I will use a second level spell slot to cast Divine Smite. Nice. All right, so 3d8 or 48. So, well, 2d6 will plus be one and then 3d8. Yep. It's 22 damage. 22 damage. All right, nice. Yeah, you slash him again. Really nice. Really nice across the chest with White Thorn with the sideways slash. And he's up. Rusty's up. And he is going to strike out at the three of you, the snake. Carl and Tug with all four of these weapons. His weapons. The whip goes out towards Tug. The hammer slams down into the snake that has him grappled. The blade gets slashed out at Brian, or sorry, at Carl. And we'll say the pickaxe comes down at the snake again as well. He's going to roll disadvantage with all of these. So one second here. All right, the whip. He rolls a 17 and then a 18. So does 17 hit? Uh, yeah, so if the 17s the come to me, that, that ties. Mm-hmm. Okay, that'll hit. All right, so he does a total it. of... Not taking it. 17 damage. <laughs> uh, the kid's down. You're down? Yeah, we didn't heal or anything, you said, oh, right? Oh, shit. All right, so he, the whip, this purple gooey rip just wraps around Tug's neck and chokes him out, and he faints, and he goes down unconscious. The hammer's going to go down towards the snake, and he rolls a natural 20 and a 19, so 27? Uh, yeah, those will hit. Okay, uh, so snake, that's going to Snake's AC do, is 12. Th- okay, 13 damage towards the snake, and I need the snake to make a strength save. Uh, okay, one second, so 13... And his strength is real high, actually. 16. Okay, he saves. He saves from from whatever effect that would have. The blade comes out towards Carl. Carl, a natural one. Okay, seven. That'll miss. Yep, miss. Yep, so he slashes out, but you duck out of the way. And then the pickaxe towards the snake. That's a 19 and a 14. So that will hit. And that is... I need you to make a constitution save, Durf, as well as taking 16 damage. No, for the snake. Oh, for the snake. 16 for the snake. Uh, Another 16? Yeah. Goodness gracious. Uh, (laughs) Okay, the constitution save is a natural 20. Okay, so you're fine. You're not poisoned by this pickaxe, but you took a hell of a lot of damage to that snake. Is it still up? It's still up. My okay. my summons are tough as hell, but that was a pretty grievous blow, nonetheless. Nice. All right, Tug. Um, death saving throw. Yeah, let's do one of those. Um, what what are the? I because I haven't had. Fortunately, I haven't had to do one. In this you just roll thing. a d twenty. If it's less than ten, you fail. If it's ten or more, you pass. That is a fourteen. All right, so you pass. So you mark one X. If you get three saves before three fails, you pop up with one health. If you, um, I'm sorry, you don't pop up, but you're, 
you t- are conscious. Stable. And then if you get three fails before three successes, you die. And if we... Can we heal him? You can make a DC 10 medicine check to try to get him to be conscious again without okay. making death saves. Or, yeah, you can heal him. You can heal him. And then if he gets health so back... So, like, I can, use a, I can use a potion on him? Correct, you can. <laughs> All right, okay. so Tug is still down. Snake is up. So how does this work? It doesn't really say on this website. He remains restrained right because he didn't break the restraint right yep. and and if i bite or constrict again it will not break the restraint if i miss no he's still restrained yeah you don't have to i don't have to make the save again i am definitely restrained okay rusty is definitely restrained and you can roll with advantage on your attack no matter what attack it is okay well he'll constrict again okay and that is, let's see, an 18 and an 18. Okay, yeah, that'll hit. Okay, so he takes another 2d8 plus 4. 5 plus 2 is 7 plus 4. is So he takes 11. 11 damage, okay, nice. All right, so you tighten the grip around Rusty and his eyes start bulging out, but he is still kicking, looking pretty good. Durf, you're up, it's your turn. Okay, uh, Durf does not want to waste his wild shape to uh, untransform and heal Tug, so he hopes Carl will take care of that. But he will sort of, like, try to take take Rusty's attention by, like, basically diving at his face. Okay. Like, and slashing at him. Or let me see, what what are my attacks? Multi-attack. You get a bite and a claw, don't you? Yeah, yeah, multi-attack, bite, and claw. Nice. So he's going he's gonna to try and lunge at his face and kind of take the heat off of uh, the other guys. Okay. Um, so on the bite, he rolls a 22. Hit. And on the claw, he rolls a 15. Uh, will not hit. Okay, so the bite is unfortunately not that great. Ah, but he rolls an eight, so 12. 12 damage. Okay, nice. All right, uh, Rusty is starting to show signs of wear and tear now as you bite part of his face and part of his, like, fleshy, matted fur gets ripped off and you see start to see skull underneath. Ooh. Carl, you're nice. I've got um, a cup of tea in my inventory okay. uh, that I am going to use on Durf. Or not dirt, but uh, Tug. Okay. But then Tug has to speak in the British accent, right? Right, but it's like 2D20s. Oh, okay. Is it yeah, really it, 2D20? I, I, that's what I was trying to verify. That's what I have written down. And so, that like, that's what I was right. trying to verify. Well, I mean, that kind of could be right. Wasn't it supposed to be pretty extreme, but the penalty is you have to talk Britishly? And you have to go last, and you, you move to last in the turn order. Of course. Oh, that's right. Of course, that would be the kicker on that. At least you would be up. Whatever. I don't know. So that's what I was, roll, I've been trying to find. That's what I'm all it's about. four D20s worth of damage. Worth of damage? I can't take any more of that. It does Four it. D20s. You, you, you restore four D20. Right. That's ridiculous. So, <laughs> but you have to speak in a British accent for an hour. Not me. Tug does. Yeah, right. Tug does. Okay, so you're gonna All right, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
British tug is going to be great. His face right You're now. You're going to get, like, Jamaican tug. <laughs> it's the only accent I know how to do. It's not only a British accent, but a British accent in character. Wow. Okay. So that is a 23, a 26. No, you just roll 4d20. How are you getting 23? The max is 20. 4d20? Oh, you added? I'm adding. I'm adding. Okay. I, roll, I rolled. I have somehow 40 20s. You said 20s. 23, 26. I was confused. No, 23, 26, uh, 41 is the total all right. of all four. I, is that bring you back to full, Tug? Yes. All right. So you do you, show me what this looks like. <laughs> the what whole the shebang. Quiet. So, so Carl reaches um, down into his armor, kind of where his junk is, and pulls out um, a milky white vial. Um, that's God damn it. <laughs> this is the fucking worst. And uh, uh, he, he pops the plug and and he just he sees Tug laying there and he goes, "Well, mate, sorry. Sorry. Here you go. Little touch of tea for you." And he just pours <laughs> pours the, the the whole vial into Tug's mouth and then just kind of closes his mouth shut so he can't spit it out. All right, Tug, you pop up. Sure. Feeling refreshed? Feeling cranky and like everything is cloudy and my humor <laughs> just got a lot more dry. <laughs> <laughs> Does Tug say anything? <laughs> um, that was a spot of tea, old chap. <laughs> This is not good. This is very bad. Take 41 points of damage for bad English accent. I'm not positive I know how to do an English accent. So you're going to so you're gonna have to cut me a lot of slack here. Cheerio, right, well, governor. You, you're going to be, you'll be, uh, you'll be in a British accent for a whole hour. So that'll probably take us into the next episode. So we'll just have to remember for that. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. It is Rusty's turn. Uh, Rusty again, so it, it sees this bear coming straight at him, so it is going to focus two of its attacks at the bear, but it is going to slash out at Carl and the snake once again. So the whip is going to lash out at you, Durf, in bear form. Rolling with disadvantage, that's a 24, and then a 19. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they both hit. Well, 19, because it's disadvantage. So 19 plus... Uh, I'm doing this. Okay. So that does... 20 damage to you. Okay. Bear. And the hammer is going to hit you as well. Okay, I untransform. And that's and a 14 and a 10. Oh, a 10 does not hit. Okay, 10 does not hit. All right, so the hammer comes at you and misses you completely. The blade at Carl, that is going to be a 12. Won't does hit. not hit. Won't hit. And then the pickaxe down at the snake, that's a 14 and a 17. That hits. Okay. Uh, another eight damage to the snake. Okie dokie. Not down. Not down. Jeez. He's, he's right. still in pretty good shape. Uh, not All in right. good shape, but he's yeah. fine. Tug, you're up. <laughs> Come on, just pretend you're in uh, lock, to lock Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oi! No, that's Australian, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, as if a noise is... Australians are British, right? 
Wait, aren't Jamaicans British? Can I get like Jamaican? I don't know if they're, no. oh, they're like French. Call me now. Well, they're 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 Jamaican. We've abandoned our colonial past. They are Jamaican. True. <laughs> um, gloss. 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 Canadians are <laughs> British. Photographs. Kirk. Photographs. I, I can say gloss and photographs. <laughs> did you, hear, Kirk? Did you hear me? <laughs> yes. Canadians are British. I, uh, gloss and photographs. I will attack thrice times. Is that what you think British people sound like? Too late. I don't so know. bad. We just what? lost all our British 20, listeners. Whose fault is that? That's Brian's 100%. It's Brian's 100%. By the way, my rolls were 25, 19, and 19. Okay, they all three hit. What's the damage? My self-esteem. <laughs> uh, 10, 14, 26 damage. 26 damage. Oh, man. All right. What's it look like? Just picture what Mr. Bean would look like if, if he was attacking uh, a carnival monster of sorts. That, yeah, that's that's what it looks like. That's all you got. All right. All right. Snake's up, Derp. Uh, Rusty's looking really bad, by the way. The Super snake, bad after this series of attacks. The snake will constrict him anew. Uh, that is a 16 with advantage. Uh, 24. That'll hit. Okay. 2d8 plus 4 is 5 plus 5. 14. Okay. Um, tell us how you kill Rusty. The snake squeezes him so hard that, like, his body starts to bow backwards, mm -hmm. like, with his chest pointing out and all of his arms are, like, backwards and all of his rotator cuffs kind of tear at once and his eyes pop out of his head and then his arms snap backwards and he dies. Oh, Jesus. Okay, yeah, that happens. <laughs> and <laughs> Rusty falls as the constrictor shake. Uh, Constrictor Snake releases him and this massive matted fur ugly form begins to recede and shrink leaving behind the shriveled body of an old man and eventually just a crumpled heap of skeletal bones and as he falls a coin slides out from his bony fingers and it rolls along the ground to Durf's feet before it falls over on the ground. Um, well, Durf first pats his snake on the head and said, who's a good boy? Who's a good boy? And then he picks up the coin. Okay. Are you detransforming? Are you picking it up as a bear? In his mouth has a bear. You're picking does, it up? Okay, and, that's and fine. He does, and then he does a little dance. That's and fine. Then he, and then he transforms back into Durf and holds it in his hand. Okay. As you grab the coin, the world goes black. And we see a man in rags standing out at a street corner with a tin can, a bed of straw, and shredded blankets at his feet. His, he begs for coins from the people that pass by him, but a small few do. Day turns to night, which turns to day again, several times over before a small child approaches him. She holds in her hand a small coin that she gently places in his can before scurrying off. The man pulls it out and turns it over in the lamplight. Two heads. The world rushes past and we see the same man years later. 
A top hat and cane, he roams from city to city with fat pockets. We see him in taverns, counting the coins of groaning patrons looking like they lost a bet. Never returning to the same place twice, he is calculating and secretive with his coin trick. When finally his young days are over, he returns to his hometown, rich and quite pleased with himself. He walks down the city streets, never giving so much as a glance to the beggars that plea for some coin, not even a young woman with a familiar face. One night in his chambers, he wakes up to a hand around his mouth and a fist to his gut. A group of men he took money from had come for vengeance. They drag him from his bed and gag him, knocking him unconscious. Left for dead, he wakes up days later, hungry, broken, and bloodied, surrounded by a thick swamp. The clothes on his back are gone, and as he opens his hand, he sees the only possession he will ever again own, the two-headed coin. His cries for help are cut short as the vision fades, and we see him once again, but this time in priest robes, as he says, He turned them to beasts. He filled them with dread. On black earth he lived. On sorrow he fed. The dread king grew stronger with each tainted soul. So we sent out to stop him and send him back to his hole. Pelor split in seven, and in us these parts gave us power to turn even the blackest of hearts. His creatures outnumbered us ten thousand to one, but no shadow can win against the strength of the sun. And the vision fades completely, and you find yourself back in this ballroom, and you look down, and now your hand, Durf, your mark has changed from this single line to now an arrow pointing upwards. Cool. I tell the tell the fellas the story of Graham in the exact words you just used. Okay. <laughs> Tug, what do you think about that? Gloss. <laughs> Gloss photograph. <laughs> no, you're totally missing this. Uh, look at this photograph. <laughs> Jesus. Every time I do it makes me laugh. I'm Nigel. <laughs> That's pretty good. Just do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I will repeat that for the next hour. Not that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What do you want to do? Uh, what do you want to do? So I'm going to, I want to, first of all, I want to scoop up some of these coins. Okay. Yeah. Some you of guys these each one are going to stuff your pockets. Yeah. Shit, uh, yeah. I think like what? 50,000 right. um, a piece. You collect as many coins as you can fit. Uh, and that's pretty much all of them. And you each get 5,000 gold. Finally. Um, some fucking cheddar. Next thing I want to do is, uh, I want to grab some of Rusty's weapons. Uh, they're all gone. So they disappeared when they he dis- died, actually. They all kind of like ghostly disapparated i was really looking forward to being a paladin and having a whip you might be able to buy a whip from uh nero maybe you'll have one in stock i want to dispense some justice photograph what what next what do you want to do now Oof. uh, well we have the coin um and we don't see ursula or her father anywhere around right no you're completely alone in this ballroom 
So I think we, we've we got our gold, we've killed the guy, we've got the coin. I think we should head back to the tower. You guys want oh, to see if they trouble. fixed Chaco Mountain yet? Uh, I think that's worth a look. Jesus. <laughs> uh, yeah, Durf goes to check and see if they fixed Chaco Mountain. You go back, it's miraculously months. fixed. It's a hey! miracle. Hey! We ride it. Yeah, I take ride it. it a ride, yeah. 100%. You ride it for several hours. Kirk's, or Tug's British accent wears off. <laughs> Thank okay. God. Because that was miserable content for our listeners out there. I would, I would like to apologize to the person that did suggest that one. I believe it was idea. Ursula. However, no, there it was, was, uh, was, was Ellie. There was an Eleanor. There Ellie, was a distinct Eleanor. reason I didn't purchase such a potion, and that's because I didn't want to do that shit. <laughs> to be fair, it was extremely powerful and probably saved us, so worth it. Saved Tug, at least. Yeah. I was in pretty bad shape, too. I, was I also guess I'm still in, in pretty bad, bad shape. shape. So... Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's an incredibly strong potion, which I read, and I went, oh, I get that, but not for me. And then I moved on, <laughs> specifically for that reason. All right, all right. You all drop right. the uh, pocket portal and open up a portal, and you hop into it to the Arcane Tower. I would also like to thank any $5 to $15 patrons that we have now. Uh, we have Jonathan Zeman, James E. Haller Jr., Chris Harrison, Jack, Micah, Tucker Barkley, Sam Wilson, Alfonso Fernandez, Tyler Sarver, Pat Manads, uh-huh, Olivia Fumiati, Seth M. Harrison, Kevin DeHart, Jacob Torres, Thomas Sanchez, Matthew Watson, Kevin Kozlowski, Jesse Jones, David Barron, Eric Hancock, Blake Tolliver, Dan McStalkerson, Jason Rittman, Octavia, Joshua Motzinger, Nicole Chapin from the Red Redshift podcast, Marco Olofsson, Ian Coughlin, William, William Martin and his buddy Huge Ass, Elemental.fm, Joshua Hebert from the Alignment Unclear podcast, Jack Mega, Nick Vukulich, Vitaly Vasilyuk, David Ginsburg from the Tales of the Fandom, and Tales from Five Nations podcast, Joe Quickle, and Adam Hoffling. Whew. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for your donations. I would love to read even more names. So if you go on to patreon.com slash YMIA Tavern and throw some money our way so we can keep this show going and keep it going strong. All right. Thanks, guys.